Ah, oh, Mike. Lane. We're at the beach, dude. Check this fucking... I haven't been to the beach in like 20 years. Dude. I know, man. It's so nice, so relaxing. We both just finished finished school. We got the summer off. This is this is great, dude. Oh, man. Look at that. I mean, that guy's jumping into the, into the, uh, the ocean over there. It's freaking freezing, man. I don't know if I could... Yeah, it's still a little cold for me, but I don't know. I may, I may jump in. It's a little hot today, so... Did you bring your wetsuit? I didn't didn't bring my wetsuit, no. I didn't bring that. I you know, Mike's just got just gonna be this Mike, you see this? What? Oh my god, dude. It's, this is like the craft, dude. There's like four hot chicks like working right towards the Oh my god, that's funny because dangerous types like on our boombox right what? now. Oh my god, listen to this. <laughs> They're coming oh. right at us. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> they weren't coming at us at all. No. They, they were going to those guys over there. Yeah, yeah there they are. Younger buffer. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Dude, I just saw a little kid. Literally. Yeah. He's, he's, like, licking this ice cream cone. It's, like, it's dripping all over him. A, a seagull just shit on it, and the kid just kept licking it. Oh, gross. Oh, oh, I can't believe I missed that. My man, it's getting hot, man. Jesus. Wait, Matt. Were we supposed to do something today? I feel like we are supposed to do something. I mean, I just put your second dose of sunblock on about... 10 minutes ago, remember? Oh, man? thanks for doing I, that. Extra lather, way. man. Come on, that was good. No, there's something else. We had we had a plan today. There's a reason why we got together, and I I know we're here at the beach, but I feel like we're missing something. It's like on the tip of it. Oh, my God. We're supposed to be recording our soundtrack side six episode <gasps> right now. Good evening. This is cursed. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. It's thriller time. Why do you want to know? Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. It's your buddy, Maddie from the Alone in the Dark Horror Podcast. I am, of course, with, with you, not at the beach, but inside, with my buddy, Mike. Mike, what's up, man? What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> hey, man. Listen, I'm feeling kind of Marvin gay right now myself, and uh, gay me in the happy uh, post, uh, you know, 19, early 19th, uh, 20th century gay, like happy, like yes. in a good mood. Yes. Dude, um, it's summertime. It's summertime, and Mike, I don't know what it is about these soundtrack episodes. They just get me in, a, in like the greatest of moods. Dude, they're like they're seriously like my favorite episodes to record. And and then, you know, some people ask us, you ever listen to your episodes again? Like after you record them, rarely. This is the episode that I listen to of us again, not because I like hearing ourselves talk, but I just no. love hearing this, these songs that we chose, yes. you know, and like, and sometimes I'll be like, oh, what was that song that, you know, I want to put on my Halloween soundtrack or yeah, and some people Halloween playlist. Right now, yeah, are going, oh, what about those Spotify lists you guys have been talking about for yeah, years? Exactly. Exactly. Now, so these, these episodes are super, super fun. So we're so excited to be here for side six of our soundtrack Flip episode, it, our Mike. special this is kind of like a yearly tradition now, right? Oh, it's been a yearly tradition for about four, probably the better part of four or five years now. Mike, flip Mike, flip that tape over, buddy. That's it. We're going to flip it over, Matt. But um, one thing we like to do at the beginning of the episode, we do a little horror spotlight, Matty. So, Matt, what do you got for your horror spotlight tonight? All right, so finally, I'm, this is... This has been a while. This has been a long time coming. Um, I finally caught up, believe it or not, with uh, with Orphan First Kill. Oh, okay, gotcha. What'd I you think was of that? 
really impressed, and I'll tell you uh, why. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for those of you that still haven't seen it. Probably a lot of you have seen it, but I definitely don't, don't want to you know, just assume everyone's seen it. Mm-hmm. But at one point, um, there's, a, there's a twist, in, if, you want, if you will, in the middle of this, like almost toward like the end of the second act. And it, yes. it almost has to take this turn, and it's so smart and so, so simple, but if it didn't, it would have just been like, okay, here we go. We've seen right. this. We've done it. And it's just this little thing, but it makes the biggest deal. Like it's, it makes yeah. this, the biggest impact. And it was just such a simple exactly thing. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I and agree. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but oh my God, it's great. It really, it's I had cool. a good time with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. I wasn't, a, I wasn't thinking I was going to, but then I was like, wow, this is really good. But you know what? It seemed like they put a lot of money into it, you know, yeah. and it had, I forget that the, the woman who plays the mom, she's been in a Oh, it's, it's Julia Stiles, dude, from 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, and, oh duh. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Of course. I totally forgot it was her. I'm thinking of another film actually, but yeah, Julia Stiles is the mom in this. That's totally true. Yeah. yeah. Save the it's, Last Dance or whatever. What do you mean? It's a whole bunch of those dude. movies she made. Yeah, yeah. It's great, man. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by that one too, Matt. That's a great one. Yeah, that's, that's uh, like I said, you've been telling me to um, watch it for a while mm-hmm. and so have other people on Instagram. So I uh, finally caught up. What about your uh, horror spot night, Mike? Well, I watched two movies that I want to, I know it's kind of a cheat, but I'm going to mention two really quickly. There's two movies I watched on Shudder. I just happened to be, uh, be poking around and one was recommended to us by one of our Patreon subscribers and it was a little movie called Deadstream. Yes. Uh, and it was kind of a fun, like it's, it's weird. It's one of those movies like about a YouTuber and he like, he's like broadcasting live to all his followers and he goes in this, like this supposedly like haunted house and he's supposed to spend the night there. It's like, he's like challenging himself, you know, it's like Halloween resurrection. Kind of. Yeah. But it's actually a little more enjoyable than resurrection, but it was fun. And there's like, definitely like, there's a couple little twists and turns there and some kind of fun stuff that happens and definitely some good jump scares and stuff like that. It's not, you know, it's kind of goofy and and kind of lighthearted production um, value, right? Yeah. It was really well done. I thought it was cool. So there was that one. And then one that it was a little more serious that I actually thought was pretty cool was, uh, it's a movie on, on shutter. I think it's a shutter original called, uh, who invited them. Dude, I just saw the artwork and it looks like really like, I don't know, almost, I don't want to say pretentious, but it looks almost invitation-like. Yeah, you get that. Actually, you almost feel like it was like directed by the same person. Karin Kusama. Yeah, yeah, you you feel that way because it definitely has that feel, but I think they did a good job with it. It's like a story about this couple. They move into a new house and they have this like housewarming party for themselves. And there's this other couple that shows up and the husband thinks it's like the wife's friends and the wife thinks it's the husband's friends. And... Uh, they find out that neither of them know who these people are and they kind of overstay their welcome. And then it's just like goes on from there. It's kind of like a roller coaster. And, you know, there's definitely some uh, some twists in this one as well uh, that I don't want to spoil, but it's definitely worth a watch. So if you're looking for something new to watch over on Shutter, definitely check out Deadstream and Who Invited Them. I thought they were both pretty, pretty fun. You no, know? I have not checked out either, though, so I have to. Yeah, go check it out. So, Matt, we are here for episode 87 soundtrack episode side six and uh i'm excited just to get into it dude why don't we get right to our first song who's going first you oh mikey you know that if this is uh we're going in order here i go first all right let's do it you finish don't you know that i love you in a god of a feet of don't you know that I'll always be true? Oh, so my number 10, 
Side six. Mike, you would think by side six, like, right, we're running out of shit, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I honestly think this is my strongest list since, like, side three. Okay. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so my number 10 is the immortal Iron Butterflies in Agata Davida. <laughs> From Nightmare on Elm Street Part 6, Freddy's Dead. Oh, my I, God, Mike. I didn't even know this song was in this movie. Mike, Matt, how right? could you not know? Because... <laughs> this, oh, I mean, the, first of all, this song is absolutely like this trippy psychedelic masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some songs, Mike, you could throw it over any scene and it just, in any context, and it will just elevate the material. It doesn't matter if there's a guy taking a shit. Right. Like you play this song, suddenly the guy taking a shit is like the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. It's just incredible, right? So. <laughs> I mean, the weakest of the Nightmare films, at least in my opinion. Yes. Uh, Freddy's Dead is the weakest for me. Um, for but me as well. even for a minute, Mike, I just get to smile. Uh, the power, the emotional resonance that music always has, right? So, so you throw this song on, but again, here we are talking about soundtracks, and it's just music could turn even a movie like Freddy's Dead and for at least for a couple of minutes and, and make you smile, right? Into this cool thing, right? It's just amazing. Just for a couple of minutes, Maddie. So Mike, let me let me let me correct you here. You don't remember, okay. but Breck and Meyer, okay, you know who Breck and Meyer is. Yes, of course. Like Captain Nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Late nineties, that is. Yeah. Um his character Spence. He's okay. tripping out of his mind, whatever. Uh, he's stoned. Um but <laughs> So we have this one moment, man, this wonderful, weird, fantastic, far out, lovingly freaking ludicrous moment where Spence has fallen asleep on the couch. Yeah. Um, he's awoken by that awful, you know, that monotonous like snow sound, like, shh, the color bars, right? That used to yes. accompany like after the, the, the networks have gone off the air, right? Yep. We're just that old. Um, you know, watch Poltergeist. If you don't, yes, you know, you'll get it if yeah. you watch Poltergeist. Yep. So, you know, the, the network signed off for the night. He's still tripping his brains out after he's woken up. And certainly the best thing about the scene, Mike, aside from the cool visuals, and there are some really cool visuals here and some wild imagination, but that song comes on. Oh. And it's this trippy scene. And, I, and again, this proves that this song can literally make any scene cool. Right. <laughs> uh, even a heaping pile of mediocrity that is... <laughs> This whole film, um, it's a it's a, a stenchy turd, but man, this one scene, Mike, man, I'm telling you, it's like it's like Alice in Wonderland meets like you know like Henry Selleck and Tim Burton, and just this song playing, and it's just so weird. The stuff that goes on it turns a video game like um, visuals of Freddy, but man, this song just elevates all of it and just makes it great. So I had to choose this um, this song. That was So Wrong by Stabbing Westward from a little movie called Bride of Chucky. Yes, I haven't seen this in so long. I know. It was a while for me, too, and I had to rewatch to kind of feel out where this uh, where this song was in the film because I, I couldn't remember. But So let's talk about the band first, Matt. Sure. Stab, Stabbing Westward is a little industrial rock band from Illinois, Haddonfield? of all places. 
Haddonfield, Illinois. Yes. How did you know? <laughs> Formed actually at Western Illinois University, Matt. Oh, These that's two cool. guys, two guys started playing with the drum machine in the heartland and then stabbing westward was formed. So this band is not new to our soundtrack episode, no. Matt. And I don't know if you remember, they yes. were definitely uh, definitely not new to the soundtrack game in general. Uh, their songs have appeared in Clerks, wow. Bad Boys, Johnny Mnemonic, Mortal Kombat. And uh, the little show that we like called Smallville. Oh, I love that show. And as as well, we placed them on our soundtrack episode uh, from the faculty and Urban Legend. I believe you did, sir. Oh, okay. Was it me <laughs> that picked picked this one? So there well, you go. Usually, it's a, it's. I figure it's the '90s, right? So right. So uh, actually, Bride of Chucky's not the '90s, but however, the band yes. Stabbing Westward I equate with the '90s most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, so the song itself, Matt, this song uh, that we're talking about today, so wrong. Uh, it's like a driving rock tune with guitar chugging through the verses. Yes. Like a speeding train. <laughs> The lead singer, Christopher Young, is puking his soul out in his lyrics. Listen, listen to these words in the chorus, Matt. Ready for this? I am. Go for it. It's so wrong that I need you. It's so wrong that I need abuse. It's so wrong that I need you. So wrong that I'm scared I'll die alone. That's wow. pretty deep shit right there, right? It's wow. crazy. By the way, it's this is 98. I'm sorry I was wrong. This is 98. 98. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, so the song itself makes you think of being in like an abusive relationship Holy that you mackerel. feel like you can't get out of. It's like very haunting. It's, yes. It's, it's pretty pretty dark and haunting. Um, the song is in the film uh, Bride of Chucky, as we mentioned. It's in the scene uh, where Jesse and Jade, the two main characters, yep. are driving their like creeper van. They have this like van <laughs> yeah. uh, with Chucky and Tiff in the back. <laughs> Um, and Jesse and Jade, Jade get pulled over by a cop, and in the backseat, uh, Chucky and Tiff are smoking weed. <laughs> Again, with the smoking weed, right? <laughs> I know. They're getting high, high while this song is playing in the background, and it wouldn't be more perfect. It's almost as if Tiff is singing to Chucky, <laughs> or Chucky is singing to <laughs> Tiff. Like, anyway, we're talking about abusive, abusive relationships. Sure. This is the, the, the all-time abusive Pinnacle. relationship. Yeah. yeah, they're both toxic for each other. And smoking weed never fixes a relationship, <laughs> or does it, Maddie? I don't know. That's Buddy Miles, baby. Whew, from Maniac Cop 2, Mike. Nice. Mike, this song, man. Oh, my God. I don't know if you know this song or if, you, if it's clear in your mind or your, or your head. Or no, your... I, I I know the song. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's not super clear in my mind, but I remember it. So, yep. Mike, again, you, 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 with Stabbing Westward, you just did. You just kind of did like a little thing with the band. So, Buddy Miles. Yes. Okay. Do you know who Buddy Miles was, Mike? This that motherfucker. That sounds so familiar. Yeah, he was the drummer and backup singer on what I consider to be one of the greatest live recordings. And no, I'm not talking about Kiss Alive or Frampton Comes Alive. Mm. I'm talking about Jimi Hendrix and the Band of Gypsies live at the Fillmore East, New Holy Year's shit. Eve, 1969 into nineteen. That's right, Buddy Miles. He's the drummer yes. and the singer. Mike, this guy was sitting there. He was backing up Hendrix. They don't know. He was singing these amazingly soulful, like and just beating shit, the hell out dude. of the drums. I mean, okay, I, I just go back and... Revisit that if you haven't gotten a chance to. That's amazing. Even if you're a young person out there, please. Discovering new music, whether whether it's 30 or 50 years old, is always going to be a good thing. And Buddy Miles was a force of nature um, wow. back then. 
So, um, and amazingly, for all you folks out there who are old enough to be uh, alive in the 80s, and remember those California Raisins Claymation ad campaign, Yes! Mike, in 1986. <laughs> I know you remember that, Mike. I do. <laughs> Buddy Miles was the one who sang, I heard it through the grapevine. No, In really? that commercial. Yeah, that was him oh singing. Oh, my gosh. That's now, this guy's a drummer, but he has great voice. Yeah, obviously. Now, this tune, Mike, Children of the Night, it probably should have been the end credits to, uh, you know, probably should have, it sounds like an end credit song a little bit okay. if you listen to it. Yeah. And it would have been a perfect way to end. And, you know, this was an excellent sequel. But it's not. It's playing during the strip club scene, of course, right? Mm. Yeah, there was one of those in that in this movie. Yep. Um, great, great movie, by the way. If you visited Maniac Cop 2, you have to go back. But, Mike, what's mind-boggling is think about this. This song was written, and it was intended for a 1992 little film called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No. Mike, Children of the Night. Get it? Oh, my Right? Gosh. How great would that have been? But, of Holy course, the shit. idiot producers of that movie didn't want it. So William Lustig, being the smart man that he is, the writer-director of Maniac Cop, he probably got it super cheap, and good for him. Like, the guy had a good ear and, and got it for got it on the sly and for the cheap. Good for him. Yeah, lucky guy. And this song, Mike, would improve any any film that it was in, any one at all. It mm -hmm. just got that 80s vibe, but it's not a novelty song at all. It's like, it's still got that soul, right? Yeah. And But it's got a tinge of sadness, like you mentioned in um, your Stabbing Westward yep. lyrically. Mm -hmm. This has that melancholy, and, and it's kind of like inherent in the melody itself to the song. But man, the vocals, my God, Buddy Miles, he doesn't sing, Mike, he attacks this song with like full, like soulful runs, and, and but but has this rendered, like this perfectly rendered rasp too that's in there. Yeah. And he has a great, it's very hard as a singer to sing soulfully and with a rasp, because most guys that sing with rasp like can only do that, They're like one trick ponies, right? They can only go yeah. to that one thing, and he goes to it for effect, and that, you, that's how you can tell he's a really good singer. Oh, that's um, so awesome. And it, and it honestly swerves this song right past parody right into respectability based on the fact that he has such control singing this. You can picture him like at some enormous Baptist church at this pulpit, man, just singing, right? <laughs> and everyone's getting on their feet and they're going, and he's going, children of the night. And he's got his hands up in the air and he's sweating like a freaking pig, man. But man, if I can get one person to go back and find Buddy Miles, Mike, I've done the world a favor. So go back and find it. not so hard to pull songs from credits from a movie and this is one of those maddie that uh you know that i tend to do from these soundtrack episodes it's hard because there's so many great songs in like the credits the end credits of a, of a movie yes that, you know i know we try to pull these in and talk about the scene that they're in but i have hey. one coming up later most of all, all right cool Don't well i have a few so yeah, that's okay <laughs> this is a good one so Hey, Matt, it's side six. The choices are getting thin. We're going to have to pick from these <laughs> No, friends, don't you, know? you dare. Don't you dare go there. <laughs> I know, I know. So, uh, Matt, this band, American Pearl, uh, and this song Automatic, is one of those bands from the early 2000s that crashed and burned after one album, but they gave us this awesome song in the credits of 2000's Scream 3, which is... Which so is, this uh, is Scream 3's Neve. This is. It kind of is. You're right. <laughs> crash yeah. and burn after one album. Yeah. So the band formed in Los Angeles, and their location totally fits this sound. I don't know if you agree. The grinding oh, guitars, yeah. gritty vocals, double-time double drums in the chorus. Yep. 
Uh, my favorite part of this song is that there's a little bit of bubblegum in the chorus with the backup singing the. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. I love it. I, I'm you, a sucker I for that. I, yes, definitely. Yeah, we were we're both suckers for that. It's so good. So, Maddie, we are sitting in the theater. The credits are rolling. Right, we're watching Scream Three. What is going through our minds when this song comes on? It's like uh, we're sitting there thinking, was this a good movie? 20 years from now, will we appreciate it more? Damn it, where was Kevin Williamson? Yeah, exactly. Where was Kevin Williamson? There was a lot of things going through our thoughts when we were, when we were sitting, you know, with the credits. Yeah, uh, it screamed through it. It was it was tough, you know. Well, I, I appreciate "Automatic" by American Pearl, and that's why it's my number nine on the soundtrack. Side six. Oh, that's man. a good choice, Mike. Eight. Oh my God. I mean, there are certain scenes that just represent your childhood and just encapsulate mm-hmm. it perfectly, Mike. I mean, they stand out in your mind because you watch them over and over and over as a young kid and they just like formed you and who you yes. are and your taste in movies and everything that was concerned with movies. Right. And how many times did you see Gremlins in the theater anyway, Mike? Oh God. It was definitely at least a two few. or three, right? Yeah, for sure. Yep. And I mean, we were 10 years old and Joe Dante's film was like our universe it was the center of our world at that time we were obsessed yeah right? it was the greatest thing like there ever was and who could forget mike that scene you know where the gremlins have completely taken over dory's tavern yeah you know poor kate's being held captive she's serving the drinks and you know being generally terrorized by all of them right and of course here we go we have songwriter and singer michael sembello who we have talked about before we have yes um just a year previous had penned and performed the song maniac maniac a big hit from Flashdance. Now here he is with another soundtrack gem. This time one oh. for the kiddies, Mike. Oh my gosh. And I'm not kidding, Mike. This tune is basically maniac for kids. <laughs> Rhythmically, <laughs> melodically, the overall tone, the pulse-pounding rhythm, it's so eerily to that eerily similar to that ear hit, that earlier hit. I mean, why not? Keep tapping into that vein, baby, till it dr- runs dry. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And secondly, Mike, the wild, fun images from the film that accompany Sembello's <laughs> rollicking song. I mean, let's, let's just go through a couple of them here. Yeah. Multiple gremlins boozing, smoking, <laughs> raising hell with tinsel, throwing popcorn, beer bottles. Yeah. The close-up of the gremlins boogieing down with pink leg warmers. <laughs> I mean, you know what decade you're in right away. I love it. I love the one it. electrocuting himself as the other one douses him with a fire extinguisher. Oh, my God. That's the best. <laughs> The so gremlin, great. of course, wearing the ski mask with the gun. Um, <laughs> the one gremlin, Mike, that's swinging from the ceiling fan, and Kate turns on the turbo mode and sends a little fucker flying through the front window with a bar. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, of course, the most iconic of all the images, at least, you know, to me, the breakdancing gremlin dressed in Tony oh. Monero's white suit from Saturday Night Fever. Yes, dude. Um, so good. I mean, this scene, Mike, this song, they're exactly why I'm obsessed with soundtrack songs to this day. And it, what's, it's something that makes me and you want to keep wanting to do this, like yep. not mm-hmm. extinguishing at all. Well, these are the reasons why we do these soundtrack episodes, because these are the songs that make these movies so memorable. And, make, and, and 40 years on, you know, 30-something <laughs> years on, here we are talking about it. And Mike, I'm talking about it on soundtrack side six. So just imagine how many more songs... There are that are out there that are this yeah. good. So the tale of Ahab and the elusive white whale, Mike, it goes on and on. Mommy, dancing, 
Fun has just begun. Oh, man. <laughs> My number eight, Sleepaway by John Alton. Alton? Yeah, Alton, yeah. Alton, yeah. holy shit. And I know we just talked about this movie, Sleepaway Camp 3, not too long ago, right? Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about this film. Uh, we talked about Sleepaway Camp 2 last uh, Oh, we recently. did talk about 2. I'm sorry, we, we haven't talked about 3. We will be talking three. about Sleepaway we'll, Camp uh, We will, three. we will. So Sleepaway by John Alton is exactly <laughs> what you would expect from a song that ends the film Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp 3. Uh, right? It's like, uh, what is it? Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage, Teenage Wasteland. Teenage Wasteland, baby. I love it. I love well, it. Well, they couldn't play Bob O'Reilly. They couldn't get the rights. No, they couldn't. They couldn't. So just like the film, the song is filled with one of, with on-the-nose lyrics, <laughs> chugging guitars, and layered backups. Are you having fun? The fun has just begun. <laughs> and you're out here on your own. First time they've let you sleep away from home. You're in good hands. It's okay. You're never alone. It's like, come on. Oh, Mike, we talked about the infinite monkey theorem last time. How long did Holy the monkeys shit. have to type at the typewriter? Yes, exactly. Before they those came lyrics, up with this. Those lyrics are, couldn't be more on the nose. John's voice fits the music perfectly. He sings like a fire at Camp Arawak. <laughs> this guy sounds drunk, Mike. He does sleep away. Yeah, it's like I love yeah, every second of it. It's so good though. Uh, so Sleepaway Camp Three. We recently uh, we're going to be talking about it soon, Matt. Yes, and we talked about Sleepaway Camp Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there was a slasher that didn't pay attention to plot <laughs> and added as much gory kills and nudity and sex, this is the film. Oh, Matt. Yeah. this really is it, right? They took part two and they went even higher and further with it. Absolutely. You know? Do I love this movie, Matt? Mm, not really, but it's a fun ride, right? Yes. Pamela Springsteen's Angela brings us some serious cheese and fun to a world where in slasher. And Sleepaway, Sleepaway by John Alton caps it off in a nice, gory package. Drenched in Aquanet. <laughs> I feel the power running through my bones. I mean, how can you not, like, Mike, we're in a world where just the strong survive. That's the first <laughs> lyric in this song. I mean, Charles Darwin would certainly have approved, Mike, wouldn't you think? think Survival so. of the fittest. Whether it's Klaus Minor, the Scorpions, rocking me like a hurricane, or accept singing balls to the wall, Mike, sometimes <laughs> you just need a little bit of that German juice, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This beauty from the era of wonderful Aquanet, as I just aforementioned there, and extended guitar solos, it's from the band Bonfire. You just mentioned Bonfire and Pamela Springsteen, so here is the band Bonfire, Mike. Bonfire, all right. They never broke, of course, big here stateside. You would have heard something from them, Um, but they should have. I mean, they had everything going for them. The hair, the hooks, 
and a spot on a hit soundtrack from a Wes Craven film. Ah, shaka! <laughs> so what the hell happened, Mike? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you what. Lots of lineup changes. That happened. Changing music scene. Forced poor Bonfire to get, well, lost in translation. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Um, okay, I feel the power running through my bones. I am the sword. You are the stone. Mike, the line clearly fits in with Horace Pinker from Shocker. We know this. I mean, come on. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's written. I am the, the movie, sword. Yeah. You are the stone. It could, but it also could just be this freaking horny fifteen-year-old version of me, Mike, fancying myself <laughs> a clever poet, like propositioning a girl. Hey, I'm going to use this tasteless Arthurian reference. Hey, baby. You know, I should do it. Let me stick my Excalibur into your stone. Ah, like you had some kind oh of. Oh my god, Mike! I, I would probably have done that and just fallen on my own sword to kill myself because it was so bad. <laughs> but since King Arthur, Mike, is actually the one who's able to remove the sword from the stone, is this mm-hmm. song actually a song about practicing safe sex? <laughs> and the singer's appealing to men everywhere. Pull out. <laughs> I'm not really sure. At this point, people have turned the episode off. They were lured here, <laughs> well, obviously, with the promise of good music, and what they got instead is me pontificating about the perils of prophylactics uh, and safe sex. Uh, <laughs> I do know this much, though, Mike, if you would please indulge me. Sure. What we do have is this absolutely slamming song, I think you'd agree. Um, and it's as catchy, I'm going to venture to say, as anything else on the rock scene in 1989. So, bonfire, nice. baby. talk about we're getting it we're gonna talk about curse the curse movie and uh the song that kicks off this film right i don't know if Bowling there's anything soup. that you were looking forward to more in your lifetime than this movie yeah i was as you know we talked about this film and i was so excited for this movie to come out right because i love werewolves it's like a, a known fact i love werewolf movies and i was like this is fucking it's fucking wes craven and kevin williamson here we go <laughs> anyway so let's talk bowling for soup <laughs> Is a band from Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, they're they're known for, kind of for their like pop punk style, right? Yep. And they bring this with their cover of uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs' hit song "Little Red Riding Hood" from 1966. 1966. Wow. Okay. I have another another song we're going to talk about that's even earlier, Matt. Oh, than, I'm excited. Than 1966. All right. But anyway, it's the perfect cover song to go with the mess that is Wes Craven's <laughs> cursed film from 2005. Uh, part of the uh, Weinstein universe, as we know, yeah. of, we kind of know the story, and I think most people know the story, but if you don't, bear with me here. Uh, the shoot was riddled with rewrites and reshoots and even recasting. Yeah. Not sure, I think you know this, Matt, but I'm not sure if some of our, our listeners are aware of this, that the lead male role was originally cast to scream Skeet Ulrich. Wow. And he was actually 
they actually filmed him in a bunch of scenes and then changed the whole plot and the story. And he, when they tried to bring him back, he was moving on to another movie and he couldn't come back. Wow. It was like a mess. So this is like, an, this is like an Eric Stoltz back to the future type of a deal. It kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. So, uh, this song though, Matt, this song is unique in the lyrics. The song is about a wolf who's in love with little red riding hood. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's uh, check out some of these lyrics here. What a big heart I have the better to love you with. <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood, even bad wolves can be good. He's, he's like, you know, he's kind of yeah. talking to this girl, to Little Red Riding Hood, trying to, to impress her. I'll try to be satisfied just to walk close by your side. Maybe you'll see things my way before we get to Grandma's very place. Very cool lyrics, man. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. It's like a, a neat sort of twist on, uh, you know, the big bad wolf, you know. So this song comes in right at, at the beginning of Cursed when the two girls go to what looks like Santa Carla straight from the Lost Boys, right? <laughs> yes. And have, have their palms read by Portia de Rossi, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Um, who warns the one girl about being attacked. Um, so from this point uh, on of the film, you know, it's filled with holes in the plot and problems and all kind of things that'll make your head twist. Maddie, I do enjoy this film only because Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson had a hand in it. Yeah. Uh, come on. They're the dream team that brought us, well, Scream, as you know, Matt. But I wonder, Maddie, will this film, what this film could have been like mm. if the Weinsteins didn't put their gross, grubby, inappropriate <laughs> hands on it? Six. Oh, man, there is an extra incredible sense of urgency with this song, Mike. I mean, this guy, whew, New Jersey's drama-rama, man. John yes. Easdale. This guy is, oh, give me any, give me commas. Give me and this guy is like, <laughs> he's going 100,000 miles an hour. I mean, he's an engine running on full threshold. The horses have broken mm -hmm. the reins. They're galloping at full speed, Mike, right? But the engine, Mike, it's not just straining. The speeding vehicle is heading for the side of a brick building at 100 miles an hour. Ooh. And the horses aren't running fast, Mike. They're insistently heading for a very deep gorge. Ouch. There's an imminent danger in this song. The need to play the whole song before something bad happens, right? He's trying to spew it all out. <laughs> yeah. The, the timer on the ticking bomb reads three minutes. It's winding down, Mike. The whole audience can see it. 2.59, 2.58, and it's <laughs> ticking down. And John Easdale, man, he, he is desperate. He's frenetic. He's, he's not trying to sing perfectly in tune. He, he's trying to impart an urgent message to the listeners. Yes. Mm -hmm. You could picture him as a driver of that speeding car that I mentioned earlier, Mike, pleading with this girl passenger as that immovable brick wall gets closer. I'll give you candy. Give me diamonds. Give me pills. I'll give you anything you want. Hundred dollar bills. Just marry me. Marry me. He's like pleading with her, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, in the film, this plays over the scene in Nightmare um, 4, yep. where this cherub-faced Johnny Depp wannabe, Rick, <laughs> is practicing his martial arts moves <laughs> but he's not practicing mike he's training oh yes. okay I, I mentioned how this song's all about urgency and desperation i guess our friend nick here is desperate to prove that he's cool yeah he's not succeeding though at least in my <laughs> eyes he's obviously seen enter the dragon fists of fury a few dozen times he wants to pick up the mantle for bruce lee and carry on the legacy well you know what mike kung fu is where it's at and nick is dying to prove something <laughs> too bad 
He's just dying. <laughs> Well, it's another credit song, Maddie. Ooh, I know, I know. Third one but, in a row, baby, if I'm keeping score. Yeah, I, yeah thanks. Thanks for that. Dude, but how could I pass this one up, This is Matt? a good one. Motorhead, British hard rock band formed in the mid-70s oh. by uh, frontman Lemmy. It's a kick-ass, in-your-face rock band, and this song, Hellraiser, does just that. <laughs> Even though the song is heavy, it has pop sensibility. It definitely does. The song current and memorable right lemmy's voice and lyrics are rough but smooth and catchy all at the same time well, jack it's daniels awesome. will do that for you that's true yeah by the way you know what he was cigarettes. doing at the same time as this what lemmy he was working he just worked on um no more tears with ozzy oh that's right he yeah just he did mom like coming he just did worked with a couple of songs on that album with uh, that's, time that's after time awesome. i think with ozzy yeah yeah that's so cool yeah that's awesome uh matt the carnage of this movie <laughs> In this series is amazing. Yes, All right? it is gross. I had to, I rewatched this. I'm not a huge fan of Hellraiser the series, but this film is probably the most successful. I feel like you know. Okay. Uh, once Pinhead is loose in that club, I don't know if you remember. Oh the scene. my god, dude! All hell breaks loose. If you are a gore hound, this movie is for you. Whew. It really is. For me, this is like I said, it's the most rewatchable film in That's the series. That's a bold statement, um, Mike. By the way, it, I think it is, it is in this series. Do you think there's another one? No, no. I just think you saying that. Part three, like, is more than part two and one, which are very revered films, especially the first they one. They are. Yeah. But I think it's it's more rewatchable. Okay. But anyway. That's cool. Favorite scene is uh, in the movie is when Pinhead, uh, he is reenacting the crucifixion in the church, oh, and he man. says, I am the way. <laughs> He's holding his arms out. <laughs> yes, you know? of course. I will leave you with this, Maddie, with some uh, some lyrics and our listeners here. Um, and I feel like these lyrics kind of go with what we keep saying about how it's kind of like I keep saying that it's hard to find songs for these soundtrack episodes, yeah. but I feel like these lyrics are almost speaking to that, that these songs are just going to keep coming to us. So here we go. I'm living on an endless road around the world for rock and roll. Sometimes it feels so tough, but I ain't had enough. <laughs> I keep saying that it's getting too much, but I know I'm a liar. Feeling all right in the noise and the light, but that's what lights my fire, Matt. So we're going to just keep finding these songs. They're going to keep being, being hidden all over the place. Keep so. lighting that fire, Mike. That's it, Maddie. So there you go. Five. Do me a favor. Yeah. We're going to do a little play along here. You ready? Okay, you're scaring me a little bit. <laughs> Brush on a little eyeliner, Mike. Okay, put in that put any. in that teardrop nipple ring, baby. Ooh. Add some lip gloss. Repeat after me. Okay. Would you fuck me? Oh, my God. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard. 
Now stand in front of your camera, Mike. Reach down, grab your junk, tuck it gently between your legs. Dance oh. eerily. Spread out that multicolored satin robe in a Jesus Christ pose and sing along with me. Goodbye, horses. I'm crying <laughs> over you. Oh, my God, is this song chilling? Uh, it is. I'm crying, yes. crying. And then the, that, oh, my God, Mike, it just gives me the chills thinking Oof. about it. Yeah. Ooh, Yes. So in a film full of disturbing scenes, the hopelessness of this scene is what makes it so terrifying. Buffalo Bill is winning, Mike. He's winning. Yeah. Yep. He's celebrating another victory. Meanwhile, the victim, poor Catherine Martin, she's in the well. She's failing miserably to trap the dog, to gain any advantage or leverage over her dire situation in the slim hopes of trying to stay alive, right? Oof. This scene is terrifying. But its staying power and its emotional resonance is largely due to this haunting freaking song. Well, it's haunting now after the scene, yeah. The artist Q Lazarus was born and raised in Neptune, New Jersey. No way. Indeed. Really? Indeed. She was working as a New York City taxi driver. One day she picked up... Why can't I do this? She picked up Jonathan Demme, future director of Silence of the Lambs, in her taxi during a blizzard and asked him, hey, are you in the music business? Oh, my God. She played him her demo. He said, oh, my God, what is this and who are you? Holy shit. Yeah. Opportunity knocks, right? Yeah. I've only recently found out that this song actually was sung by a woman. I, I, for, I could watch that movie a hundred times. It turns out I, I, Q Lazarus's real name was Diane Lucky. <laughs> I assumed, as we often do, that, that door, gorgeous, deep, that husky voice. I was just thinking, I was just assumed it was coming from a guy. Right, right? Singing right. falsetto, right, with, for the other parts. and Yeah. But this scene itself, Mike, it's screaming at me to question everything I know about gender, sexual identity. It's all right there on screen as Buffalo Bill transforms himself into a woman right before our eyes. Jeez. I mean, at the end of the day, it has me thinking very deeply about issues such as fate, the cruelty of wasted talent, the fluidity of gender. I, I am shook to my core by this strange and beautiful song by this beautifully strange and unknown artist. boy, Maddie. Here we go. Halloween ends. <laughs> kind of love it, Mike. <laughs> you know, Matt, still to this day, I have a hard time explaining to people why I like this film. I, I, I'm done explaining. I, I really like this film. It, but you're in the same place, right? Is it like... It's difficult. It's hard, it right? It is. But my love Sometimes, grows every day. Yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes I feel like they're putting in like subli there's like subliminal messages in there to like loop people in to liking it because like <laughs> it's that strange like there's something about it that every time I talk about it watch it you know think about it I'm like drawn to well it. simply you know Mike I mean? let me just go here very simply to I think that as of as of coming on the heels of Halloween Kills which we we so derided and we were just like oh my god yes like they couldn't go down that path anymore and you know what David Gray, Gordon Green God bless his freaking soul that he said fuck right. it I don't care I can't go down yeah. that road anymore either right we milked yeah. everything we could out of the first two films yeah let's just skew completely just zag this way and God bless him he did it and I think I just really I applaud him I, I just think yeah. it was really really cool 
No, I agree with you. I totally agree. But with I think you. that's so, why we like it, honestly, because it didn't. Yeah. It didn't mirror what, what what had come before. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, whether people like it or don't. Regardless, Matt, it came out. Some people hate it, and some people love it. You know. And at the beginning of this polarizing film, we get the song Midnight Monster so Hop good. by Jack and Jim from 1959, I, Maddie. I'm floored. That's right, Matt. I, you heard it right. 1959. Not even 1960. So Psycho wasn't even out, and this song was out before it. Dude, so cool. So this song will forever, ever be on my Halloween playlist. You know I'm, I'm a big fan of making my Halloween playlist every year and, and adding to it. Mike, this stuff. is better than the, than the Monster Mash. It really is. I, I totally I agree absolutely with you. obsessed with this song now that I heard it. This should be the official song. It of Halloween. really, it really should, should be. be. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. If if you love or even like the holiday Halloween, you have to love this yeah. song. Like it's it's like it's an imperative. Uh, it is dripping with Halloween vibes, and the lyrics couldn't be more on the nose to give you creepy Halloween feels. You know what I, you know what I think about Mike? I think about Chris Martina when I think about this song. Oh, totally, yeah. WNUF he Halloween would love special. This. He probably loves this. Oh, my God, and I'm sure he does. So give it to yeah, me, Mike. So give me these feels, baby. Here's some, here's some lyrics just to give you a little taste of the <laughs> Halloween. Dracula was standing at the bar, sipping blood from an old fruit jar. <laughs> the werewolf was uh, acting the clown, gnaw, gnawing, gnawing. Yes. gnawing on a leg of Sam. <laughs> Tastes good. Tastes good. Well, it should. It should at the midnight monster hop. Matt, come written on. by That's Mike Boylan. <laughs> exactly, it should be. Oh my be. god! Oh, I love it. So in this movie, Matt, this movie comes in at, during the opening credits, right at the very beginning, bef- like before Blumhouse, before everything. Mm-hmm. It all comes in. This song comes in, and it starts with I think the DJ kind of talking it up, and then it just comes on. Yeah. And we get that special Halloween 3 blue titles that we love so much, Matt. When I first saw this film sitting on my bed, I think I was telling you, yes. and I told our listeners, the first time I saw this, I was in my bedroom. Peacock, right? And Yeah, it was on Peacock. Yep. And I was going to wait to see it in theaters, but I was like, screw it. And I was eating that, the Halloween Whopper that they just had <laughs> out with the orange bun in my bed, eating this Whopper, watching this movie, you know, checking it out. So those blue, those blue credits came on. And the first thing I'm saying is, what is happening? What is going on? And that wouldn't be the first time I said that, what is happening, <laughs> because I know you and I talked about this. I think we both said it. But we're introduced to Corey riding his bike through what I think is um, cool ready for rider. a bomb bomb drop, Maddie. <laughs> no, he's not riding his bike. He's riding his bike, know, not, his, not his motorcycle yet. But I, I'm going to throw something down here, Maddie. You ready for this? I don't this? know. Am I? I don't know if you are. So I think this might be the best opening to a Halloween film in the series besides like right next to Halloween 4. Wow. As far as just the visuals. And you mean other like, than the original? Other than the original. Like the 1978. I just mean like, yeah, the but 1978, that's like the movie starts. I'm just saying like, you know how Halloween 4 has like the the music and like oh, yes. the, the, all the of visuals course. of like yeah, the, yeah. the scarecrow so you're and the farm this and is stuff? right after that. I think this is like, wow. as far as like, like, Creepy vibes and Halloween vibes. I'm Bombs you, are going off. Like, yeah, that's it was it, a great. This is a great it. beginning, though. Great opening. It's awesome, Matt. Corey and Allison forever. I agree, dude.
right, so I'm going to match your end credits song with one of my own, sir. <laughs> See, you're going end okay, credits too. I didn't go four in you a row, motherfucker. All right, anyway. I know. <laughs> I'm joking. So an end credits song, Mike, but this one has a twist. Okay. Scream just unspooled a masterpiece of a film, which redefined mm-hmm. the entire horror genre. And now here we are, redefining credit sequences. Oh, I see where you're no going. No traditional rolling text here, Michael. Scream is way too freaking hip for that. Instead, yep. we get the montage of character freeze frames accompanied by the actors' names. And it made yep. you invest in everything just a little bit more. So smart. Right? As an, as an audience member, you just spent 90 plus minutes with people you truly cared about. Well, most of them anyway. Yep. And then scrolling text credits would have, I don't know, would have seemed cold somehow, right? Or something? Yep. Yeah. But this film, like, it invited you in. It made you warm and comfortable. It made you feel everything that the characters were feeling. So it's actually dignified in a way that these characters and actors so deserved. It's almost like a curtain call at the end of a theatrical production where they come out and they, they you know, they do the extra bow yeah. and the audience gives them the extra applause. And they've done this for every film since, haven't they? Uh, is that true? Because I, I, I don't know. I don't know that. I, I, like I think they, they did it in Scream 3 for sure. I think they did it in 4 too. Yeah, so unless Scream 2 didn't, but I'm pretty sure they may have. I don't know. That's yeah, a good question. Curious. I'm kind of curious yeah, I'm to see. I'm going to have to go back yep. and check on that, but that's, that's interesting that you said that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also clear, Mike, that the group Soho had been listening to Republicas Ready to Go on yes. repeat as they composed this awesome end credit <laughs> song. Their techno pop punk vibe echoes the upbeat vibes of Republicas breakout hit from just a couple of months earlier in that same year. Yeah. I do love that song. Ready to go? Ready to go. Well, yeah, Mike, weird side song. note, there is actually a Republica song on the Scream soundtrack. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yes. So, they're all, it's all in the stratosphere. It's all in the air. They must have been breathing mm-hmm. the air. Um, Same family. Yeah, for maybe. sure. <laughs> I can also hear the cranberries in the way the guitarist picks these gorgeous little cascading arpeggios in the intro and at the end of the chorus. Just listen back, yeah. man. It's just so good. Um, all of this fused with like the vocal stylings of Suhazana Hoffs from the Bangles. Yeah. The lead singer has that faux scat spoken word inflection. She's like she's the evil stepsister of Walk Like an Egyptian. If you see the way that that melody goes. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can see that. It's almost like that really like very like sing-songy. Yeah, it's like bouncy yes, kind of. exactly. Mm-hmm. But Mike, for these actors, most of them, if not all of them, were virtual unknowns before the release of this film. But once the film hit, the masses of people flocked to see it. The, the careers, these actors forget it, Mike. They're going to go from a whisper to a scream, as the song says. <laughs> You can't hide anymore there, Nev Campbell, Rose McGowan, mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard, Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, even you, Skeet. Where you going? <laughs> Get back from under that couch. Come out here. We know who you are. <laughs> People now are going to know your name. They're going to scream it out into the world, baby. Or maybe just standing on the rooftop shouting out. Because your careers, baby, they're ready to go. <laughs> Okay, Matt. <laughs> Guilty. Another credit song. <laughs> hey, man. This I I will give you this one. All right, come on. You can't pass this one up. This is the Fat Boys with uh, ready ready for Freddy, oh, dude. Yeah. Are you ready for Freddy? Come on. Yes. Uh, 
The Fat Boys kill it with their ode to one of the greatest franchises in horror history, right? <laughs> Next to Disorderly soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Disorderlies. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fat Boys were formed in the early 80s in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, you know, a little yes, they were. hop, skip, and jump from where we are. Um, and they were quickly known for their beatbox skills. That's kind of how they got their start. Yeah, yeah definitely. Let's hear it. Man. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> The song Are You Ready for Freddy was obviously written for the film Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, or shall we call it The Carrie of the Nightmare oh, series. yeah. Yeah. The song has the elements of, of an amazing 80s rap song, beatboxing, fat beats, killer rhyming, lyrics, and Freddy fucking Kruger, <laughs> Kruger Maddie. He's in this song. Yes, he is. Yes, Freddy makes an appearance dropping some sick rhymes to add to this already stellar song. Here are some of Freddy's rhymes, Matt. Yep. Ready? Fred Krueger's the name, you know my game. Elm Street's the place if you got the time. Listen to this, you'll bust a rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Freddy. See, I'm a popular guy. If you don't know yet, you're going to find out why. <laughs> Dude, Freddy throws down these, these rhymes if you haven't heard this song. Freddy literally is rapping in this song. It's pretty oh, amazing. Man. So. So Freddie kills it just like he does on his greatest hits of Freddie album that uh, that I own, which I love too. So you know, Freddie's voice comes in and out of there; it's good. Throwing throwing lines just like he does in this uh, in in this song, right? This is why I love this song. We get a dose of Freddie with some awesome beats from the Fat Boys. Um, Matt, have you seen this music video in a while? Not in a have long while. Oh my God, it is so funny. You got to watch this and people go go on YouTube and, and search this music video. Um, it's awesome. The the uh, The Fat Boys inherit their Uncle Frederick's house, but in order to do so, they have to stay one night in the house. And uh, I'll just leave it there. The rest of the video is pretty amazing. The Fat Boys Here are Here we go again. Really the one night, spend the night in the house, man. That's it, dude. That's it. Um, as I mentioned, this song is another uh, end credit song. Uh, it doesn't even uh, occur right away, Matt. It comes as track two during yes. the credits. So it's kind of buried, you yeah. know? That's kind of sad. It doesn't like come in right away. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like you have to be sitting so, there for a while before you hear it. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So I, I think the Fat Boys deserve uh, something better than this and being song two. So I'm going to leave you some lyrics. Since I mentioned Freddie's lyrics, I'm going to give you some of the Fat Boys <laughs> lyrics here from this song. And I love this because they play an ode to the whole series, which is pretty awesome. So even if our dreams or our dream warriors fail, you like oh, that? Yeah. And Mr. Big Time Freddy Cougar prevails, it was just prime time. You see yeah. all the references here? I know you'll never forget what he did to the girl with the TV set. <laughs> but you can't stop Freddy because he's cold as ice. He'll come right back at you to slash and slice. Like a jitsu blade or a blender, he'll blitz you. Freddy Cougar's putting on Ritz. <laughs> there must be, yeah, putting on a Ritz. I don't know, there must be oh, that's uh, so a good. typo there or something. But yeah, that's pretty awesome. But they might, it seems like the Fat Boys were big fans of the series. You know? Oh, that's a, those are great, those lyrics. Yeah. So there you go. I have a question for you, Mike. Okay. What's my favorite kind of soundtrack song? Your favorite, I would say, would be 80s? Yeah. And the elusive soundtrack song, the one that you hear just for that fleeting couple of seconds in the film, and 
It plunges into that rabbit hole of searching the world high and low to figure out what is that? Mm-hmm. Like it's like a fever that you have. Well, the first time I saw Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, on video, probably in the mid-90s, I would say, that lovely, convenient thing known as the World Wide Web was only its infancy stage, Mike. Yeah. So I couldn't just type the name of the film to the IMDb search bar, scroll down to the soundtracks tab, peruse the musical selections for the movie. Couldn't do that. Life was not easy back in 1995-ish, 94. I saw Christian Slater lying in bed in the Lot 249 segment, reaching toward his boombox into an empty bag of the amazingly styled Cool Ranch Doritos at the time in the bag. Yeah. And I heard just for a brief, like, 12 to 15 seconds, this amazing little poppy gem, The Way of All Flesh. Dopamine flooded my brain. I I couldn't contain my joy for the remainder of the entire film. (laughs) So I tried looking through the credits, you know, but without YouTube handy, Mike, I just didn't have the immediate gratification of, like, testing, put this, look at the IMDb thing, and then... Put up the double screen, play right. YouTube, look it up. No, couldn't do, couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do any of that. That's the way of all flesh, and every man must pay the price. Stand before the gates of paradise of fire and ice. Mike, if you cheat, if you lie, if you have the stench of sin on your soul, we all must got to pay the price, right? Yeah. Well, especially if you cheat a man out of his prestigious teaching fellowship. Hmm. His name is, and is played by Steve Buscemi. What the songwriter is really talking about, Mike, is the price we all pay for doing dastardly things. Mm. The price you pay in this segment is apparently an ancient mummy is going to come take your brains out through your nose with a wire hanger. That's apparently what happens. The way of all flesh. This is one of the best early 90s soundtrack songs. It's just so good. Um, I'll always love it because, again, it speaks to the thrill of the hunt aspect that these soundtrack songs still have for me to this moment right now at this very minute. So... Guess what, Maddie? I have a song that's not in the end credits. Whew. And I think it's a song that you are really pissed that you didn't Oh, here choose. we go. I love these when you throw this in my face type of a thing. It's got to yeah, be a Friday it, it the 13th is. song, right? You, you have to admit it, yes. So it, this is the song, uh, Say This Is Me, uh, from Neo A4, from Friday the 13th. Neo A4, that's a catchy name. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's catchy, and it's kind of annoying. So which part was this? I think that's... Uh, this is part eight, you said. Part eight. Okay, part eight. Jason, Jason takes, takes Manhattan. Manhattan. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, uh, I've grown to love part eight and, and all its cheesiness and fun. <laughs> but, and we've kind of, uh, we've talked about the gripes of the misinformation they gave us fans in thinking that this whole film would take place in New York City. Yeah. And as we know, uh, this film mostly takes place in Canada. And it's no surprise that the band that I chose for my number three is from the Great White North. All right. Formed... In 1982, Edmonton's Neo A4, named after books on esoteric mysticism, <laughs> the members were reading in, in 1981. Of course, esoteric right, totally, mysticism. Why did I, that makes sense, oh right? Yeah, totally, yes. Uh, <laughs> so very uh, techno-pop, you know, uh, kind of... Uh, you know, band and they played in the, you know, bars in, in the heart, heartland of yeah, Canada, was, you know, trying to make their way. Yeah. So 
And they were lucky enough to get on this soundtrack. So the song comes in as at the perfect montage of the seniors. Uh, you know, they're going on their their boat trip to New York City on the SS Lazarus. Oh, right, that's Maddie? the song. The mo- oh, this is oh, the song. Okay. So this scene comes in as like a mon- it's almost like a montage yes. scene, you know, pretty early on in the movie. They're just getting on the boat and they're showing them all have fun. They play shuffleboard, they skeet shoot at targets. They're shooting they have their own Yeah, the Skeet Ulrich at targets. <laughs> they uh have their own dance floor with a ceiling solo that the mirrored ball bumps into your head every step. But what this amazing new wave song gives us is a kickoff to Jason on a boat traveling to New York City and taking out as many seniors as he possibly can. So let's talk about the song, Matt. I listen to uh, Sirius Satellite Radio a lot. I have it in my car. Uh, A lot of people do. There's a great station, if you haven't heard of it, called First Wave. What number is that? Do you know the number? Uh, First Wave, I think it's like 34, I want to say, or something like that. So it's near like Hair Nation, kind of. It's kind of, yeah, it's in the rock category. So I think it's right after lithium. Okay. Lithium is like it's the 90s, 90s alternative. Yep. And then uh, first wave is like 80s alternative. So awesome. I feel like this song should be played on that station, like in heavy rotation. You know, it's like it totally fits with that kind of early 80s alternative, you know, synth kind of yeah. stuff. So there's synth, there's the pleading vocals of the song, the 80s percussion tracks. Maddie, this song is like perfection. Wow. Like I'm actually pissed at myself that I didn't make it to my number one now that I'm Ooh. thinking about it because I really, really like this song. I'll leave you with some lyrics, Matt. I've been this is kind of my go-to when I run out of notes. I just throw <laughs> lyrics in here. So we're gonna do that right now. This is almost as if Jason is singing it to us, convincing us that Friday part eighth is worthy in the series. Oh, okay. Ready? Here we go. I can see the truth on this. Why cannot you see? Words doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. I can't see the truth on this. Why cannot you see? <laughs> Don't say what you want me to be. Don't say this to me. So Jason's kind of singing to us, saying, hey, give this give this movie a shot. Oh, that's awesome. It's okay. I like that, Mike. It's okay. Mike, yeah. that one I think, you know, you, you said you just threw it in there, but that one I think had purpose. I like that. All right, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, possibly plan it like this, Mike, but um, okay, that was Broken Dream from the aforementioned, just mentioned Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight. Jason takes Manhattan. I love it, and that you At know what's funny. Like, we don't, we don't really like no. plan these lists, and like the fact that your number, my number three, and your number two are back to back is really it, funny it's the best. World. So, Mike, I've always said if you if I had to choose a way to go out, right. It would have mm-hmm. to be like Jason bashing my brains in with a neon pink flying V guitar, right? This is what I've said. I like it. Um, yep. The character JJ in Jason Takes Manhattan yes. should be honored to have this demise bestowed upon her. Of course. of course. The song I've chosen is not the one that she plays up on the deck of the ship while her uh, cameraman is filming there, but instead the yes. one that she rips into below decks in the bowels mm. of the ship, Mike. The only place you could find that elusive Supreme Concert Hall echo. Yeah. JJ has obviously scoured every inch of this ship from stem to stern, but only this place is going to do, Mike. As she tears into the blistering cords of the intro, she's laser focused. She's ready to rip. 
And you can't really judge her for turning this dirty, cavernous, massive, twisting metal staircase into her own personal Madison Square Garden. Can you? Hell yeah. I mean, let's face it. The world wasn't ready for JJ anyway. They weren't prepared to have their faces <laughs> melted off by her brute power and patented rock posturing. <laughs> Just great ripping chords, man. Jason awesome. couldn't stay away, Mike. He was drawn to the show. <laughs> JJ plays her ass off. There's Jason on his way down. Show her what that pink flying V guitar can really do. <laughs> I mean, Jason must have gotten a hold of it of an early demo and heard the entire song because as, all the we the audience get to hear is like probably about the first 30 seconds or so. It never gets yep. to the chorus part where she actually sings, you can't pick up the pieces. I can't live with a broken dream. Oh. So I guess the way Jason figured it, if JJ can't live with a broken dream, Mike, she shouldn't live at all. <laughs> and man making hits, my child burn hits. Underground like, what you sound like? We don't sound the same and you don't know my name. Freaking love this song, but I cheated. You know, it's uh, we're talking about "Excess" by Tricky. Uh, that's in Thirteen Ghosts from two thousand one. But we're going to talk about something else that it's in. That this is the way I discovered the song. It's from a little show called Glory oh, Days, yeah. which was a lost gem by created by Kevin Williamson. Mm -hmm. And this was the theme song for that show. Wow, right? I don't. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if you. Remember I definitely that, don't remember the theme, the theme song, song. Of that. Of that. Yeah, yeah. So this was the theme song for Glory Days and the 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 show. I'm going to talk about the show and I'll talk about 13 Ghosts as well, obviously. But uh for people who don't know the show Glory Days, it's about a guy who uh writes a book about his mysterious small town yeah. and he gets back with his family and his friends and they all kind of hate him because in this book he sort of like kind of bashed them all and changed their characters and their likenesses. But not enough, to, right? They like, all knew who they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they were kind of pissed. Like, why'd you write this book and do this? So um, it's such a great show. But this was the theme song for that show. So if you haven't, actually, I'm, I'll talk to you, Maddie, off off mic about this. But I have a cool plan for doing something with Glory Days with our, our listeners. Oh, and great. Stuff, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. So also, uh, this was in 13 Ghosts. And Matt, you know, I rewatched 13 Ghosts recently. And it's a yeah, good movie, dude. I kind of, I was like, kind of like expecting to be garbage, but I really liked it. I thought it was fun, you know. I remember seeing that in theaters and and uh, hearing the song, but it's it's a great, you know, it was a great update to the original film that you know that obviously Thirteen Ghosts was a film from what the sixties or fifties. Yep. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was really, really well done, but, uh, let's talk about the song. It almost sounds like this song should be in scream, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, Matt. It has some really cool instrumentation that gives it such a creepy feel backwards, guitars, screeching sounds. There are sounds, Matt, in this that like slowly build in the song that are added and, and come in and out that I have no idea like what, what they produced are. The, what, what produced the sound you mean? Yeah. There's like all these weird produce stuff so speaking of it's funny that you mentioned that matt tricky uh is actually a record producer from england um and he's the one who created the song and performed it and you know wrote it for for you know 13 ghosts and use it for for glory days um and when you think of a producer you think of someone who's creative and man man tricky is creative his vocals are soothing and there's this great female backup vocal in it 
uh, that I really, really like. I think it's super cool. Um, and all I ask our viewers is to get tricky with tricky. Just do it. I'm telling you, this song is so good. Put this on your list. Number one. By far the poppiest song on my list, Mike, from Death Proof. Also one of those songs that induces such a dread in my heart. Because yeah. mm-hmm. when I hear this and I see the gaggle of women cruising along in that car, rocking mm-hmm. out in this perfect yet clueless bliss that they have, I know that Kurt Russell's stuntman Mike is gunning the engine of his 1970 Dodge Challenger. He's burning rubber, and he's coming at them 100 miles an hour straight toward them with his lights off. Jesus. Now, were you with me in the theater when we went to see this in 2007? Yeah, we saw this together. And we saw, and we saw yeah. Grindhouse. Oh, my God. With Kevin. Yes, Kevin, Kevin was with us, too. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. The irony being that none of these girls, Mike, are holding tight, as the title of this song suggests. They're not holding tight to anything. No. The drums are screaming out for Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman riff because it's just like, tup, 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 tup. you're ready for mm-hmm. don't, 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 but what you get is just, just great strummed acoustic guitar. Um, this chugging bass line sounds as if John Entwistle, the Who, and Paul McCartney are trading delicate secrets of seduction, Mike. <laughs> Meanwhile, the jangly Rickerbacker guitar strums that would incite healthy doses of heavy petting, the perfect prelude to pound town in the spacious backseat of cars <laughs> at any drive-in on a Saturday night. Dreamy? Oh, yeah. This is dreamy, absolutely. And yet Tarantino conducts the scene with his debased baton as complete irony. Because remember, Mike, Stuntman has, Mike has passed their car. He's driven up the road, turned around, headlights have been flicked yep. off, and now he's coming straight at them at 100 miles an hour. Somewhere Jesus. Alfred Hitchcock was grinning in his naughty schoolboy grin as the suspense continued to mount in the scene. And Mike, I remember... <laughs> vividly August of 2007 gripping yeah. the armrests my knuckles turning ivory white my heart accelerating along with stunt Mike's death machine please make it stop and Tarantino <laughs> giddily mocking us putting this pretty little pop tune to what's going to happen please make it stop juxtaposed images of girls bobbing their heads their hair swaying to the beat stuntman Mike gritting his teeth ramming down the gas pedal straight at them make it stop you know how this ends mike he flicks his headlights yeah. on just before impact wham jungle julia's legs ripped off the tires of stuntman mike's challenger mashing the girl in the backseat's face to pulp oh we see the accident a few times involving the death of each girl character and all the damage that was caused the lives Jesus. it's ruined and now Tarantino lays down his conductor's baton, and he's full-on clapping for this catastrophe, applauding the apocalypse. And I lay curled up in the corner in a fetal position, thumb jammed in my fucking mouth, begging, begging for the embrace of my merciful mommy. Make it stop. It's so hard. No, you breathe, and you stay alive. You stay 
did we miss this song? <laughs> I have I have no idea. Like I'm still convinced that after we record this episode, someone's going to tell us that we've already used it. Like, did we use it? Tell me uh, right now. I'm like, no. <laughs> but I knew that I somehow knew that you would find it. I yeah, but I'm just I'm shocked that we that we've never picked this song, either of us. I don't get it. <laughs> Everything Little Counts by Janice Stark from the film Disturbing Behavior. Um, Matt, this song is so good. Janice Stark might be the best alt band to come from well, a that's horror a film. I really statement. feel that. It is, but it's so good, man. This this uh, this song takes place at such a pivotal scene, too, of the film. It's when our buddy Nick Stahl, uh, he kind of gives the whole social hierarchy of, oh, of the school. Yeah, it's 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 so awesome, and it leads right into another scene it's like where a John Hughes moment. Our, it is like a John Hughes moment, and it's like it's a scene that's been done a million times. Obviously, oh, but not like this. This is so the writing in this is so like good. This. Was it Scott Rosenberg? Is that his name? The guy who wrote this. Oh, yes. so good. Yes, so good. And like, I don't know if you notice in the scene, Matt, that they they actually like light each social hierarchy different. Didn't notice that, but that's cool. If you watch this movie back again, and people, if you haven't seen it, watch this scene again, and you'll notice every time they cut to the different groups of teenagers, the the lighting's different. There's a different color light ah. above them. It's it's really wild. It's pretty Ooh. crazy. But but this song, Matt, is so good. It it really drives. It's like super fun. Uh, it just has that like that that like '90s pop, you know, sort of alternative. Uh, just love, you know, it's just like such a great yeah. song that if you're looking for like, it's like a good workout song. It's a good oh, yeah. doing yard work song. It's a good anything Yeah, Barry song, from, uh, I know we did last summer, we're definitely working out to this. Uh, I, I believe it. He probably was. He was pumping <laughs> some. Every uh, little some, thing some, counts. Counts. Yeah. It's so good, Matt. So good. But it just had to be my number one. You know how much I love the oh, 90s. Here, I had to throw like it on here. Like you were staying true to yourself, and I, I like that. Yeah, I'm staying true to myself. You knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming, but I had to throw the song on. But again, I'm still convinced that this is on one of our lists, and we just don't even know it, Matt. <laughs> and people are going to come after us and say, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> That is my number one, and that's the end of our soundtrack side six, Matt. We can hit stop on that cassette. Woo! Holy cow, Matt. How does this tape still work? Like, it needs really? a rest until does, next dude, year. It's, it's not going to rest very long because we're going to be doing this again, like you said. Oh, next absolutely. Year. Side, side seven, seven. is, is going to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm And I'm throwing down the gauntlet, Mike. Side seven, I want you to just do your best. I'm not I putting will. any songs on your list. I'm not giving you any suggestions. <laughs> you need to do your your best, sir. I will, dude. I'll, I know I'll you always them. bring it, dude. You always bring it. Never disappoint me. I have a few in mind already. Uh -oh. So uh, I have um, yeah. about 48. So I got to whittle mine down. You have 48 songs. Yeah, I have to songs? whittle mine down to 10. Actually, believe it or not, I, I'm not even lying to you. I'm, I don't want to sound like a pretentious idiot asshole, but I, I I probably have. I think I have seven already lined up and eight already halfway done. Holy shit! We might dude. not even get to That's eight insane. like as a, as a group and as a podcast at this point, but but we're gonna go to seven and we'll see what best that we can and keep going, dude. That's insane. I love that. That's great. That's I awesome. love this. Even I Good mean, even stuff. if we didn't have this podcast, I just love doing these kind of stuff. I like. Yes, I do. Yes. That's awesome. Well, we hope you guys are having a good uh, kickoff to summer here and. Uh, we got some more good stuff coming this summer, oh, right, Matt? It is the summer of the slasher, and uh, we were not disappointing. It's, it. it's coming. 
Yes, and speaking of things that we're doing, we're recording our bonus Patreon episode right after this. So uh, that's just a reminder. We are on Patreon. If you guys like what you hear and you'd like to support us, please go over to uh, patreon.com, Alone in the Dark podcast, and uh, consider supporting us. And we do a bonus episode every month that you guys can listen to. We're doing a retrospective of I Know What You Did Last Summer, right, Oh, yes, sir. It's going to be fun. So if you uh, would like to support us, go check us out over there. If you happen to be in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey on uh, June the 30th, Friday, come yes. to Smod Castle Cinemas, where yes. Mikey and I will be screening with Kevin Smith, um, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, Toby Hooper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, should be fun, and I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith will be there. So it's going to be nice. It'll be Maddie and both of our first time meeting Kevin Smith. Uh, you know, uh, actually I met Kevin Smith a long time ago, but it'll be the first time meeting him here at Smodcastle. So should be a nice conversation and we're going to be watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And as you know, Maddie and I are, you know, we're, we're fans of the movie, but not, it's not a rewatchable movie for us, but we're going to be forced to oh, watch yeah. it again, which should yeah, be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It should be good. Front so, our, uh, awesome. our worst fears. Yes. Yes. All right, guys. Well, we will see you guys in July if we don't see you sooner. Summer Slashers and, 3 uh, coming, baby. For like a freight train. That's it. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, guys. Enjoy your summer. We will see you guys Take soon. Care.